Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Helipod brought to you in part by DraftKings Sportsbook. As you know, gyms around the country, not really open, but the gyms in which they are playing college basketball are finally open. And how about this coming up this weekend? Gonzaga and Baylor going toe-to-toe for the number one spot in the rankings. And DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. They're giving all college basketball fans who sign up right now the chance to win $100 when betting on either Gonzaga or Baylor to win in this Clash of the Titans. Plus, this is good. We're going to give you a deposit bonus of up to one thousand dollars when you sign up using the promo code helipod yes you heard it correctly a deposit bonus up to one thousand dollars when you sign up using the promo code helipod it's safe it's secure you can withdraw your money at your convenience anytime download the top rated DraftKings sportsbook app right now you got the deal to turn one dollar into a hundred dollars or a deposit bonus of up to one thousand dollars use the promo code helipod during sign up to take advantage of these great offers for a limited time only a DraftKings sportsbook must be 21 or older tennessee only bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough see draftkings.com sportsbook for details if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help call or text the tennessee red line 1-800-889-978 Nine. We are also brought to you by Viore. Make yourself happy. Make your friends happy. It's the most comfortable clothing on the planet. You can go work out. You can look good doing it. When we get on planes again, you can look good doing it. You can sleep in it. You can wear it for yoga. I, I wear it literally for everything. I wear it every single day except when I'm on TV. But uh, Viore, something you might want to invest in. I'm going to give you 20% off if you use the promo code HELIPOD for the winter as it gets colder. They have great sweatshirts. They have joggers. uh, They have hoodies. I actually bought this kind of flannel shirt they have that's pretty cool and this really awesome uh, black and gray camo vest. VioriClothing.com slash HELIPOD. That's V-U-O-R-I Clothing.com slash Helipod, 20% off today for your significant other, male or female, go do it right now. Get their Christmas gifts out of the way. They're going to love it, I promise. And with that being said, it is time for the Helipod with MJD, presented by Viore. We are uh, still in the midst of the longest week 12 in NFL history. I think it's the longest week in NFL history. 
Yeah, period. Period, yeah. It's It's been crazy. We are taping this on uh, Wednesday morning, Wednesday night, or Wednesday no, afternoon. Wednesday, West Coast time, Wednesday at, at noon. At noon will be a game, which I can't wait to go watch, so... Yeah, dude, that's a great NFL Wednesday. Baby. Hey, listen, they, they, they're going to mess around and have a game every day of the week uh, coming from this point. Because football on Wednesday, who would have thought? Dude, Wednesday is, night football, baby. There's going to be a game on Friday for Christmas. So this is going to be, I think it's according to Elias, this is the first year ever that you're going to have an NFL game on every single day. Uh, because there's going to be Saturday games. I think it's in week 15 yep. or 16. Obviously Sunday, the Friday for Christmas. We know Thursday, Wednesday game. We've seen a Tuesday game. Yeah, first, is that right? Yeah, first first year. Ever. I don't know why they wouldn't do that though. That that to me just it just sounds awesome. It just well, sounds fun. I don't think you can. I don't think you can oversaturate people with the NFL at this point no. as we are uh, in the latter uh, stages of the season. That voice was Matthew Bubar, our crack researcher hello, producer hello. here on the Helipod. Uh, Heli with MJD as always. And this was a crazy story to me. It was the quarterback situation. In Denver, well documented. Uh, Kendall Hinton, who was a practice squad wide receiver, didn't have one real practice, and he has to start at quarterback on less than 24 hours' notice. How does this happen, you ask, MJD? I know that you know, but I want to share this with everybody how this went down because this was wild. All right. Let's start on Tuesday. It was a day off for the players. Four of the quarterbacks decide that they're going to put in a little extra work. That's Drew Locke, Jeff Driscoll. Brett Rippon and Blake Bortles. So they go into the facility on their day off for a couple of hours. They watch some film. They're talking game plan. They have some lunch. Well, according to people who viewed the surveillance footage, they were careless at times wearing masks. They all weren't wearing their tracking devices. That determines close contact. Every NFL team uses these tracking devices, right? NFL Network uses them as well. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people are using them right now. So on Thursday, Driscoll... One of the backup quarterbacks found out that he tested positive for COVID. He was placed on the COVID reserve list. The other quarterbacks were interviewed, but they weren't totally honest about how much contact they had with Driscoll earlier in the week. So that's Tuesday when they were all together. Remember, they're eating together, right? So you're not wearing masks when you're eating. But they weren't honest, so they were all cleared. That would have been the end of it. But somebody who was at the facility on Tuesday reported to team officials that the quarterbacks weren't being truthful about their close contact earlier in the week. So the Broncos compliance officers pulled the video and sent it to the NFL. That's Thursday. Self-snitching. Wow. Yeah, so they had a snitch in the building, right? So then on Friday, the Broncos closed the practice facility as a precautionary measure. They held all meetings remotely. Saturday rolls around. No update from the league. The Broncos go back to work. Locke, Rippon, and Bortles, the three healthy quarterbacks, all in the practice field for a walkthrough. During the walkthrough, the Broncos received a call from the league, and the three quarterbacks were sent home. Initially, the Broncos thought that this was, this is the phrase the NFL is using right now, an abundance of caution. Right. Then a few hours later, all of the quarterbacks were ruled ineligible because of close contact. So they find out Saturday, Mm -hmm. two hours after a walkthrough, that all four of their quarterbacks can't play on Sunday. John Elway asked the NFL to postpone the game until Monday. The NFL said no. They said in October, this is the NFL now, that they would reschedule games for medical reasons, but not for competitive ones. They did not feel sorry for the Broncos because they didn't have a quarterback. 
even if entire position groups wiped out, which was the case here. Right. So then the Broncos requested to have their offensive quality control coach. That's a low-level offensive assistant who helps with position coaches and the offensive He's, coordinator. Yeah, he, gets, he, he does a lot of the, you know, getting, setting up the, 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 they'll do the game plan, but he'll design the play, show the blocking. He does all that, all the grunt work, yes. So this guy's name is Ryan Calabrese. He was a UCF quarterback from 2008 to 2012. So they asked... Because they felt like he knew the offense better than anybody. Yeah, because he's doing all the work. Right. They asked if he could be put on the active roster. The NFL wisely said no, because they don't want teams stashing players on coaching staff. Right. Right? Uh, obviously. So the Broncos turned to plan C or D or F, whatever it was. And they decided to make Kendall Hinton, who played 22 games at quarterback for Wake before moving to wide receiver senior year, the quarterback in less than 24 hours. All right. So then Saturday night comes. Giant cram session for Hinton, Philip Lindsay, and Royce Freeman. They're the two running backs because they were designing a wildcat heavy game plan. Obviously, that's when the running backs take the direct snaps. They had 20 to 30 plays they settled on. That was about a tenth of the playbook that they were going to run. Hinton, remember, was cut after training camp. He was working in sports marketing and fundraising. And then he was added to the practice squad in early November. So he'd only been on the roster for a couple of weeks. He said he fell asleep late Saturday night after the adrenaline finally wore off. All right. So he's playing in his first NFL game, not as a wide receiver, but as a quarterback on less than 24 hours notice with a tenth of the playbook. And he's trying to cram to memorize all this stuff. All right. So without a single practice, he takes the field on Sunday at 11.45. They went through some throwing drills. He was throwing to coaches and yeah. other assistants, took some shotgun snaps. Yeah. The game starts. He's on the sideline for the first four plays because they run the Wildcat. He's watching all those direct snaps. The running backs gain 22 yards. Everybody's thinking, oh, this, this might work. Okay. Just rock it. So he finally gets in. His first pass was on third and three incomplete. He completed one pass on the first possession of the second half, he also had a couple of, of interceptions in the game, and they and they lost big. This this was crazy. He didn't even have. He said the one thing I didn't even realize was there's timing in everything, right? right? As a quarterback in college, it helped. He said maybe in the huddle in terms of calling plays, there was nothing else to help because I didn't get to work on my timing on handoffs. I didn't get to work on my time. And he said the NFL is such a different beast. It is. Like all oh, you guys say the same thing. Like yeah. the speed of the game. And it was one crazy nugget that I want to put a button on this story with. Hinton has actually thrown a touchdown pass in a game at Wake Forest more recently than Taysom Hill has thrown a touchdown pass in a game. Taysom Hill, BYU mm -hmm. 2016, Hinton 2017. <laughs> well, that's Neither has thrown a touchdown. That's why it's the highest And that's position. why my next note is, MJD, that's why quarterbacks are the highest paid position in football because you can take a running back off the street. No, you you can take a wide Ooh. receiver off the street Ooh. in 24 hours no, notice. you can't. And they can be more productive no. than a quarterback on no 24 way. hours notice. No way. 100%. Not even close. Yep. Now, first of all, you could. We saw a quarterback on Monday night who had a whole year, three, four years to play quarterback and was making mistakes, probably worse than what we saw Hinton. And, and let me say this before, because I think people are getting mad at Drew Locke. Like, I'll say two things before I go there. Two. First one is we knew at the, the beginning of the COVID season, the healthiest team with COVID was going to have the best opportunity to win games. Very similar to the strike shortened season before yes. you were born, where my nah, former not before Redskins. I was born, but. Well, Pretty I was close. born. Yeah. I was born. Don't, don't do that. You were you too? No, no. Okay. No, I was, I was like eight. Anyways, <laughs> COVID, you knew that. So like the Seattle Seahawks who haven't, you know, knock on wood, they haven't, uh, 
they haven't had a, a positive test or something like that. It was stated on Monday night. They have a great opportunity to win because guess what? Their their best players always be there, even though they've been banged up. Their best players have been there. Um, and so in this situation, you can't. I can't really fault Drew Locke and them for wanting to get extra study. And you're playing the New Orleans Saints, who have dominated almost every opponent the last four or five weeks. I get it. You got to be more. You got to be careful. But really, at the end of the day, like that's on Jeff Driscoll because he got this outside of it. Those dudes were all together trying to find a way to get a game plan to win a game. And by the way, you're eating. I just think to put put yourself in that situation. There's nobody in the building. You're where you are yeah. supposed to be in terms of your meeting room and then the cafeteria or whatever. And do you know how those be. meeting rooms are set up? I've I've seen them because I've, I've been uh, to the Rams facility a bunch of oh, times. Spread out. Everything is six feet apart. Right. So you're watching tape six feet apart. You're eating in like it's spread out. It's not like like how we are. Right. So hey, it happens. Those things happen. And for you know. Shame on the Broncos for putting that young man in that situation. You should have just went wildcat the whole game. Well, here's the thing to me. Don't put him in and that. And that's what they did. They actually, if you go back. They uh, should have never put that man in the game. With the log, with the actual like game log, they it, Hinton didn't technically start at quarterback because they used well, they, a wildcat. They ran four plays. Right, because, yeah. he, because of the wildcat. But, but, but I mean, he still was their starting put, quarterback. They should have never put him in the game. Yeah. Though. Here's what I don't understand. We've talked about this before, but. You always should have one quarterback, a practice squad guy who is not with the team, like, Josh like the Eagles did with McCown, right? Well, he's with the Texans. He's now. with the Texans, right? I just don't, I, and I'm not hearing that teams are even doing this now. I don't I mean, understand. I mean, some people, you know, that's that's their prerogative. Um, I just think, I think if you're the Denver Broncos, if I'm the coach, if I'm Bangio, and I'm and I and I'm, I'm saying, you know what, I'm not going to put this young man in harm's way because. Two reasons. If you don't know what you're doing in the NFL, someone can get hurt. You can lose your left tackle because he gets sacked and gets rolled up your left tackle. You can lose certain players. You can lose a receiver because he throws the ball not where he's supposed to be and he runs into a hit. So why would I put that guy? Well, that I one think it's piece a different is, situation. Is a no, no, it's not a different. No, 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 because I'm just saying because he is a wide receiver who is playing quarterback, who played quarterback before. So I think in their mind, no. if he was a traditional dropback quarterback, he was going to get destroyed. No. But if things break down, he no. would be able to create. No. That's what they were thinking but, but, going But that's it. not a good thought process because guess what? He doesn't know the playbook. Right? You, you have to do a cram session? I'm not going to put you in that situation. 24 hours. Not I'm, even 24 hours. I'm going to say, look, guys, the Carolina Panthers did this against Atlanta Falcons a couple years ago. Bucky Brooks, one of our scouts at the uh, network, talked about this. We're just going to go wildcat. And they used D'Angelo Williams and they used uh, Deshaun Foster and they beat the Atlanta Falcons running wildcat for a whole game, pretty much. I want to say three quarters. I don't remember that. Wow. Yeah, it was it was a big time game. And so those are the type of things like that's when coaching that's when like as a when you're the and I'm not saying like I understand Vangio because he's like, look, we don't have to be able to throw the ball. But that's when great. That's why John Fox is, was such a great coach because he didn't panic when things went away. He just was like, you know what? This is what we're going to do. And guess what, guys? We're going to execute this well. Our offensive line is going to go forward today. We're going to be the old Oklahoma Sooners uh, of, what, the 80s, where they ran the wishbone. We're just going to be downhill today, all right? We have three backs we can tote this ball with. All of them are going to touch the ball about 25 times. And we're going to see how this thing pans out. And our defense will get rested, and we'll just win running the ball and playing defense. We'll throw the ball five times, six times. I was part of a team. We beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, in 2007, David Garrard gets hurt. We had Quinn Gray, who's our third-string quarterback, and they were a little nervous about Quinn. Quinn threw the ball 16 times. Um, he had, I think he had like six or seven completions. He threw a touchdown, though. We might, we ran the ball 
50 some odd times in that game. Like it was nine on seven. Literally, it was we had five backs come up. It was myself, Greg Jones, LeBrandon Tofield, Fred Taylor, Derek Wimbush, or Alvin, Alvin Pierman, one of the two. And we just ran the ball. And we went into Tampa and we won 24-23, running the ball and playing defense. Well, I th- I think that's what when Sean Payton saw the situation. That's basically what he decided they were going to do with Taysom. They didn't throw Why it very not? much. Oh, oh, well, yeah, Bucky, I've heard they're running the single wing T right now. Uh, with basically. Quinn, um, Quinn Gray he, threw a touchdown that day. Yeah, so I say he threw one yeah. to Matt Jones. Yeah, Hinton did not. But that, but but Quinn Gray had played quarterback That's true. all so, season. Like, by the so, way, Taysom Hill and Hinton, same number of touchdown passes so far this season yeah. still. Zero. Zero. Um, but you could but What? I'm not going to say it. Well, go ahead. You, but you're going to pay Taysom Hill all that money. Oh, here we go. There it is. To be, to be uh, a backup it. quarterback. Yep. But there, really there, there was He's something a, you wanted to say as we wrap that up well, about yeah, well, what I his thought, mom I said. thought Drew Locke's mom came out and, 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 and said what she said, but it was true. Like, you can't fault him for trying to be a better quarterback for his team, for, for getting a group of guys together to watch tape and study the, their opponent. Like, you can't fault the quarterbacks for that. Now, I know they are being careless, you know, not wearing their masks when they're eating and all that. But still, like, what do you want him to do? Are you going to – because as as human beings, if I do something wrong and I get punished for it, if I do something I get punished for it, I'm not going to do it again. So is Drew Locke going to be like, well, I'm not studying tape on my own again. I'm not going to do the extra work to be great ever again because I got in well, trouble for it. it's not about doing the extra work or not doing the extra work. It's that they didn't wear the masks when – But people aren't saying they, that, though. People are upset that they went in on their off day. No, no I don't think that's true. And they true. all caught that's – that's what, that's what people are saying on, on social media. Well, you need to stay off social media, man. And social media isn't always the – Well, uh, that's what we're doing right now. The truth podcast on social media. <laughs> it's, it is a, uh, another form of media. Uh, how about the Bucs, man? Uh, seven and five, but they have dropped three of four. We have this – Man, they played. Y'all act like chasm that has been you created. You act like they played somebody bad or something. Like they weren't that game. That was my Super Bowl prediction: the Chiefs, no, Tampa I, Bay Bucks, and that was a great game. I, I'm not acting like they played anybody bad. They're they're going to go 11 and five because they played the Vikings, the Lions, and the Falcons twice. Okay. Um, but here's my question, and I think this is a valid question, one that I hadn't thought of earlier. But let's say they go 11 and five. You make the playoffs as a wild card. Who do they play? Well, let's just say let's just let's spin this forward a little bit and try to look at it from a, from a broader. I know, but tell me view. who they play. Who do you think they play if they if they go eleven and five? Just throw it like, do they play? Oh, let's say they play the Rams. With, uh, if they, they, let's say they, they play, play the, the Seahawks. They play the Seahawks. Okay, they'll they'll play because the Saints probably get the one seed. They'll play the Packers, who they've beaten. They they'll play the Seahawks possibly, who I think they have a good chance of beating them. It just depends on who they match up with. Now, the reason I'm saying that, Dan, is depending on how far they go, how deep they go in the playoffs, right. your next question is going to be answered. If it's one and done, then it's going to be like, ooh. I know, but that's what I'm giving you. Let's say it is one and done. This is a hypothetical. And then you have to decide, right? If, no, if we you got are, one more year with Tom and, and Bruce. I mean, we, you, we made you the You want to give them both one more year? We, we, you, we made the playoffs. We made the offs. What else do you want? We made, we got to the dance. You have probably one more year with, with Brady at this level. But which guess who they have pe- on, the prox, on, the, on the practice squad? You know who they got? Oh, oh you're gonna go UCLA? You on know me? they got they got they got the chosen one over there, baby. Oh, He's just no. learning from the chosen goat. Rosen. They got the chosen one. They got Blaine Gabbert. They got a bunch of first rounders Stop on that it. on that he roster. He might be just as productive as he was in that jacuzzi in his dorm room. That's but fine. That's, that's, that's a separate, fine. separate whatever, conversation. Whatever you want to say. But uh, as of right now, the Buccaneers at the sixth seed. Let's just say it's you know yeah. they're if it was seven teams and the one got the bye, as the sixth seed, they're playing at Seattle. 
which is fine. So there's, I'm not, so there's I'm a great matchup to say I'm how they would do. I'm not concerned for the Bucks to be at Seattle. I think they actually match up very well against the Seahawks. You're, but are you? We talked about this a couple of times this season, and it, it, they're oil and water. Arians and Brady are oil and water. They and are. You can add more water to the mix, but you're going to still have oil and water. No, that's no, not really going to change. But I'm not saying that. But they've they've you you forget that they scored 46 points too. In a game where they were matched up very well against a defense that shut out a Lions team after that, and then scored on defense against the Vikings twice, right? Like they they have they have played when they match up well against opponents, they play extremely well. When they don't is when they struggle. That's everybody in the NFL. That's literally the NFL in a nutshell. The Rams matched up well against the the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. For some reason, they don't match up well against the San Francisco 49ers. No, no matter how banged up they are, yeah. they don't match up well. Guess what they do? They lose. So in this situation, it's just they had a, a no one matches up well with the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> Period point blank. That's just what happens. Like Tyreek Hill, that's why Ty, that's why they're special. That, right? They, no, they are special, but but two hundred yards in the first quarter. I mean, it, really? But you put your you put your number one corner on him. Well, let's put somebody else over the top. Let's put two people over the okay, top. Then he'll, then he'll throw the ball to Travis Kelsey. Like you can't like that's what makes them so special, right? That's what makes the Chiefs tough to defend. But this is what I'm saying. They don't have to play the Chiefs in the playoffs until you get to the Super Bowl. So that 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 doesn't worry about it. The Rams, the Rams, they don't they don't look like the Rams where they played on Monday night, right? Is this whole thing overblown in terms of the Brady Arians dynamic? I think so. I think I think this is what we felt. This is the other thing we felt to realize, Dan, and I and I try to explain this to our listeners, uh, and then the people that are like just hear me talk, you know, on other uh, podcasts or other avenues of media. You can, when you you can learn, say NFL Network in the Rams. Uh, yeah, NFL Network I mean, in the Rams, yeah. I, I do a lot of other stuff, too. Don't worry about it. Just out of my personal business. Um, <laughs> learning a new offense is like learning a new language. So Bruce Aarons may be speaking English, but to Tom, his English is Spanglish. So he's trying to figure it out. He's trying to learn it. He's trying to understand, what do you want me to see? And it takes time. And I knew I was super over-aggressive, like 55 touchdowns. That may be next year because it'll be Tom's second year in the offense, and he's not learning, you know, all the little nuances and and, and little details of of what they want to be done on certain plays. But is it is it how they how the plays are being executed or the plays that are being called? They're thirtieth and first. It's, it's, how, it's how they're, they're being executed. It's how they're being executed field. more than anything. Well, then it's if well, then if it's how they're being executed, you honestly you can put this on Tom because they asked Brady, uh, Mike Silver, NFL Network reported uh, reported from uh, Monday, right? Show yeah. NFL aftermath. This is what he said. Bruce Arians communicated to him. He said Tom Brady picks all the plays now. He's talking about during the week in the huddle at the line. So even though even though Arians is at the helm, it, according to according to Arians, Brady is calling the plays. Yeah, this is all but when Brady's I, but when, decisions. When people no, say no, no, no. But he he may pick the plays, plays but, but he, he doesn't, doesn't pick when the them. plays are called. Oh, right. right. So they right. So they'll pick sixty yeah, plays. I, are going to run pick today. plays when I was like the coach would be like Maurice. What runs do you like this week? Sure. Give me this one, this one, and this one. Right. And then if they don't work, I'd be like, man, y'all messed up. Not this plan. But <laughs> but no, like you, it's the ones you feel comfortable about. You're supposed to do that. Now, when I talk about the execution, it's do like against the Rams, Tom Brady and Mike Evans weren't seeing the field the same on read routes. Sometimes the route's supposed to be sat down, other times you're supposed to go. If the quarterback and the uh receiver don't read it the right way, the quarterback will throw it the way he sees it, and the receiver will break the way he sees it, right? That's those are easy interceptions. Those are the ones you see a ton of. So for me, it's more of with 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 Tom. It's just going to take time, and I think again they're going to be hot, right? You're going to they're going to you you said it. I think they're going to win out as well. 
Hopefully that's when they can get their thing going. And then it depends on who they match up with. If they match up with with uh Seattle, they I think they have a great chance because Seattle still doesn't have a pass rush like that. They don't, they don't, they have to blitz Jamal Adams. And if you blitz Tom Brady, they're gonna run short routes and them dudes ain't covering on the back end. Well, Dunlap's helped a little bit. Um, we gotta wrap this up because D Hall is uh ready to go. We're gonna yeah. jump on with D'Angelo Hall and uh talk a little NFC least. Uh-oh. And uh, a few other things uh, with the Hall coming up in just a moment. Time for a quick timeout to tell you about a few of our sponsors. And we start with Greens Plus, a health food leader since 1989, known for creating the first ever blended green superfood powder and the first company to infuse that green superfood into a bar. The bars, powders tastes great. The most effective way to improve your immunity, detox your body, boost your energy, and get that nutritional insurance that your body deserves. All organic, gluten-free, available at Whole Foods, Amazon, or greensplus.com. I recommend going to greensplus.com because you get 20% off if you use the promo code HELI. You like smoothies? Throw some wild berry superfood powder in there. Greens Plus. At VACO, the motto is we invest in your career, so you are here for the duration of ours. VACO, a premier talent and solutions firm that provides boutique-level service with global reach in the areas of consulting, consultative project resources, executive search, permanent placement, and strategic staffing. You need somebody to fill that C-suite position. VACO has you covered. Their areas of expertise all across the board, folks. Accounting, finance, tech, healthcare IT, ops, administration, or international managed services. They were founded in 2002. One of the founding partners, my good buddy Brian Waller, a University of Tennessee alum. He did not like how things went this past weekend against Georgia. I can tell you that much. But Vaco's still growing. They serve over 40 markets across the globe, 1,000 employees, 5,000 consultants, and $750 million in revenue. At Vaco, they're doing it right. Check them out, Vaco.com. That's V-A-C-O.com for more info on how they can connect people to their dream jobs and help leading companies find talent to grow their business. I'm not sure how long it's been. I think probably three months or so, but I tried this new product called True Niagen, and I think you should too. There is a trend, MJD, in the scientific community uh, that surrounds the health of our cells. It affects all of us from former athletes like you to the weekend warriors like myself. We have something in our cells called NAD, which supports our energy and our body's ability to repair itself all the way down to the cellular level. Well, it turns out that NAD declines as we age. It also declines when we overexercise or we don't sleep enough and even when we're exposed to a virus. There is only one NAD booster that is backed by Nobel Prize winning scientists, 10 published human studies and regulatory approvals for safety. And that is True Niagen. Visit TrueNiagen.com to learn more. That's T-R-U-N-I-A-G-E-N. I haven't been sick in three months since I've taken this stuff. It's good. As promised, our man D. Hall, back on the helipod for the second time. He was one of the early originals. Man, Doesn't that seem like forever ago, bro? It does. It does. Where did you have me at, man? Manhattan Beach or something? Newport Beach? Yeah, Manhattan Beach at the 900 Club. MJD is now a uh, a new yeah. member. Hey, I keep telling you about keeping my personal hey, business out of this podcast. <laughs> I was about to throw a little plug out there. That place was amazing, though. We had the whole place to ourselves, but I can only imagine when that thing gets cracking, man. It looks yeah. very exclusive. My type of venue. 
Well, no you know, question. you know, it's going to be a minute before any place gets cracking in this uh, climate we're in yeah, right now. Yeah. Um, but, dude, let me let me ask you about your Washington football team. Um, lucky enough to be able to call their Lions game a couple of weeks ago for Fox, and I get off my production meeting call with Ron Rivera and Alex Smith, and I looked at Akeem Talib, and I'm like, dude, these guys are the the best story in football right now. It's unbelievable what they have overcome, Ron with the cancer treatments and Alex obviously with the broken leg and a near-death situation. You're there, you're you're calling their games every week. Have you kind of normalized that? Because I feel like they have, and to them it's not as big a deal as it should be. Yeah. Um, you know what, Dan? I think you have to normalize it to a certain extent, right? Um you know, we live in a production based business. And so if you don't win games, if you aren't accurate with the, you know, with the football as a quarterback, you, you know, you're not going to keep your job very long, no matter what your story is. And so, yeah, when you go back and you reflect when Alex first took that snap and they decided, um, you know, to make Alex the number two that week instead of Dwayne Haskins and they, you know, all the media kind of pushed it off very nonchalant. And I'm like, bro, you got to understand now that Alex is the two, he, he essentially is going to play at some point. If something happens, God forbid something happens. Um, because me as a player, I always, I always uh, operated under the what if. Because at the end of the day, you know, even when coaches were putting in coverages, hey, coach, what about this? Like, I understand we in perfect, you know, we in a perfect situation for that play. But what if they run that pop, pop, pop? That's a beater. I don't like that. And so I'm always the what if guy. And so when Alex was, you know, named the number two, my, you know, my immediate what if was, you know, after seeing Alex in practice, I just don't quite know if he's ready. And I was wrong. He went out there, obviously, MJD, you were calling that game as well. Um, the Rams took it to him. You know, he really didn't stand much of a chance. And I can't honestly say it was on Alex. It was a little bit of the protection. Um, it was a little bit of the game plan. Obviously, it was Aaron Donald and the Rams. Uh, and so that was a tough game to go into, but I left that game feeling like, man, if he can take that, you know, he'll be okay. Um, him being okay still to me didn't, you know, I didn't understand because his football team in, in my eyes still had a lot of holes and I didn't want to see Alex in that situation. You know what I mean? And so, and, you know, you know, I got a lot of different layers when I'm looking. You know, it's not just, oh, man, great story, bam. It's, man, I was a player like that before. You know, not nearly, um, you know, as tr uh, traumatic of an injury that Alex had. But, um, you know, I know it can be tough. And I just want to see the dude get a fair chance because I never got that fair chance as I started getting hurt and, you know, aging a little bit. And so, you know, I obviously always root. You know, I'm always rooting for the older guys who I feel like can still help their team win. Um, and so, yes, I do. I do root for Alex. But at the same time, um, you know, it's, it's an uphill battle to climb with this offense, you know? Well, D-Hall, you were talking about how um, he was kind of being utilized in that Rams game. What have, what have you seen from that point on till now where I feel like they're utilizing their backs more, they're utilizing Logan Thomas or tight end more, and Alex Smith is just playing faster. Like, what, what do you, I guess uh, – why, why is he playing faster? You know what? He's playing faster because they're getting the football out of his hands as quick as possible. You know, uh, this offensive line can't protect 
for long periods of time. So when Alex does get in five-step drops, seven-step drops, uh, we aren't able to run the football. So you don't have that helping you with the play-action uh, pass game off of that. Uh, but, you know, what Alex is doing, he's, you know, he's decisive in his decision making. You know, Alex is being Alex. He's smart with the football to a certain extent. Um, you know, when he first got out there, you could see a little bit of the ring rust. You know, he threw some, you know, threw some interceptions that you can tell he was just trying to get the football out of his hands. Didn't want any, you know, any parts of that rush. And so you still at times see that, you know, when it's like got to have a situation. It's third, you know, Dan, you saw it in the Detroit game, third and whatever. Detroit, when they wanted to send pressure and get after him and make Alex get rid of that football, they were able to. Um, and, you know, that's what, to me, this offense needs to be able to, you know, have some type of, you know, cohesiveness, consistency. You know, you got a great player like Terry McLaurin. Um, you know, I want to see him get the ball a lot more. I want to see this offense take shots downfield as a corner. That's the hardest thing ever to defend is the fade ball. And so, you know, we got a dude who runs 4-3 for us to not you know, try to take shots down the field when the opportunity presents itself. Um, I think that backs the defense up a little bit and gives Alex a little bit more of a comfort zone. But, uh, you know, you spoke about some of these weapons and, you know, Logan Thomas, guy I know from Virginia Tech, uh, played quarterback. Now he's a tight end. He's playing extremely well. Uh, you know, these two running backs, J.D. McKissick, uh, you know, Antonio Gibson, uh, you know, can't speak highly, uh, you know, can't speak enough about, the way those two guys, when they have the football in their hands, man, they're very similar. You know, the guys like uh, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Alvin Kamar, you, you know, you get them the football as fast as you can and you just know they're going to make something positive happen. And so you've seen this offense, you know, start to do that a little bit. But, you know, as you get into the thick of things and you get to these, you know, we got Pittsburgh coming up. Pittsburgh you know, they're not going to let you do what you do very well. And if it's getting the ball to those guys, you know, in space in the flats, they're going to probably have some corners sitting out there hard and make you, you know, make you dice them up. And, um, you know, I, I just want to see him put a little more on Alex's plate. Um, you know, we played the Bengals a couple weeks ago and I saw Joe Burrow up on the line making all these checks. And I'm like, wow, Joe Burrow looks extremely comfortable. And, you know, I watch our offense, and if it's an eight-man box, they still running it. Like, I don't see a lot of, you know, coming up showing me that you've been in the league 15, 16 years. And so, um, you know, I, I, I look at things a little bit more critical than probably the next person. But, um, you know, I feel like that's what you have to do to be great in this league, man. You can't just go off of what, who you're playing. You got to go off of potentially who you could, could be playing. So when you looked at this, team at the beginning of the season. I don't think anybody thought that they had a realistic chance to win the division. And right now, they're sitting right behind um, the first place team, right? Right behind the, the Giants. And you look at them down the stretch, you look at them down the stretch and look at this division. How, how do you see it shaking out? Because there isn't, there isn't a, I don't know if there is a best team. I can't put my finger on who's the best team. I thought it was the Eagles for a while. Then I thought it was the Cowboys. I, I don't know that there is a best team. I think it's just going to be a battle of attrition and whoever gets to the finish line first. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. When you sit there and think about it, um, you know, just thinking about watching the Eagles play, for them to not have a, a first down, the first five drives, you know, all three and outs, 
uh, and still be in that ball game. And I, you know, I regard Seattle as a really good football team. And it was 14, you know, say Jake Elliott's make, you know, he makes that kick 14 7, 14 7 at halftime. And, and, and the Eagles look like crap. And so to me, you know, you, you hit it on the head. It, it's it's going to be who, who schedule breaks down. You know, I'm sitting right here looking at um, Washington's schedule and, you know, they got a little bit of a gauntlet, right? You got Pittsburgh coming up. You got San Fran. Both of these games were supposed to be away. San Fran's obviously going to end up playing, you know, at Arizona. Uh, but then you got Seattle. Uh, Carolina's not an easy win. And then you got Philly again. And so, yes, you know, we're tied for first place with a team who has four wins that beat us twice in the Giants. Um, that's going to hurt a little bit, especially knowing you probably should have won both of those games. Um, you know, you, you're right though. You know, I don't, I don't know what Dallas's schedule looks like in the rest of these teams, you know, schedules, how they shake out, but you know, it's probably going to come down to a team who probably wins six games for the first time ever. You know, I know a couple seven and nine teams have made it to the playoffs, but this might be a year. Um, you know, COVID's been COVID's given us a lot of crazy, crazy shit, right? A six and ten team making it to the playoffs probably is probably is gonna happen. Well, I, I this is the crazy thing for me. Um it seems like all the teams in the AFC East need help, right? So if you lose, if you don't win the division, you get a top ten pick. But if you win the division, all of a sudden you're at twenty two, right? Or twenty or something like that. Like, how does that pan out? Is is that something that they're talking about in the building or are they just trying to win? I don't know, man. You know, we're not allowed in the building. So uh, I, I don't talk to anybody <laughs> in the building about anything, about their plans. But, you know, think about that, right? In a, in, a, in, a, in a league that's put such a premium on your record dictates where you fall in the draft. This might be the one year where a team that's 6 to 10 who should have a top 10 pick, top 12 pick, uh, it's not going to be a top 12 pick just because they won the division. They'll have a home playoff game. I know everyone harps on these home playoff games, but, you know, I want to I wanna make it to the playoffs when I feel like I got a chance to, right, to right. really be successful. Um, you know, I know a lot of people are beating up uh, uh, Brian Flores down in Miami and they think he should go back with Ryan Fitzpatrick because he looks better in his offense Bro, he should look better in his offense. He's 17. He's a 17-year vet. I mean, he should. But if I'm trying to build my team and I'm thinking long-term and I'm the football coach and I got a five-year contract and I got three and a half more years left, uh, yeah, tour, get out there. We'll take our lumps. Just because we got to the finish line a little bit earlier than we thought we were and our rebuild does not change the plan. The plan is still to develop tour. Uh, you know, I, I I think Ryan Fitzpatrick does give you a better chance to win right now. Uh, if you get the good Ryan Fitzpatrick, if you get the bad one, hell, <laughs> uh, he might he might get three picks to the other, t- you know, three touchdowns to the other team. So it's about executing that plan. I got to uh, jump in and ask this question because you, you gave me a, a thought when you were talking about rebuild and and all this is going on. The team that drafted you, the Atlanta Falcons. No GM, possibly new head coach. If you were going to be interviewing or if you were going to have the opportunity to be the GM for the Atlanta Falcons, how would you like what would be your thought process? Of it? Like if if we're the, if we're Arthur Blank, give us D Hall. I'm interviewing you for the be the GM job. What what would what would that be? What would you what would you say in that situation? 
Well, well, you know, you got to come in with a little bit of homework, first of all. Um, you know, I think what Matt Ryan has done for that organization is is is, is nothing short of amazing. Um, you know, I was part of, I wouldn't say the problem, uh, but, you know, right, right around the time when Michael Vick, um, you know, he kind of got in trouble and the franchise was kind of on the downswing, uh, you know, a new regime came in and, you know, I heard rumors that they were trying to trade me a young D hall. You know, you hear that. It's like, what, as much as I've done for you, you know? And so you start thinking like that. And, um, you know, I wanted to be on the first thing smoking out of there, which I ended up, uh, you know, getting traded to Oakland. Everything didn't work out great for me in Oakland. As everyone knows, after about eight, nine games, I ended up in Washington. Uh, but, you know, I think first and foremost, you got to figure out what you want to do with the quarterback position. Um, you know, Matt Ryan's not getting any younger the same way I speak about, you know, Phillip Rivers and a lot of these other aging quarterbacks, um, you know, that aren't the most mobile guys. It, it means you got to put a lot of things around them. Uh, you know, as you can see, Raheem Morris has that team fired up and they're playing probably the kind of football they should have been playing. They should be in the mix when you talk about playoff pitcher by the talent that's on his roster. Uh, but, you know, they got a lot of cap, a pretty bad cap situation going on down there in Atlanta. And so it's going to take some creative, you know, adjusting, moving things around and really sitting down with Arthur Blank and figuring out what's the vision of this team, Arthur. Do you want to continue to try to uh, 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 duct tape and glue some things around to see if we can make a push, make a run? Um, because I do feel like they got an opportunity to do that. Or do you want to say, you know what, this is going to be a four, five, six-year thing uh, you know, with the new head coach coming in and the new GM coming in, uh, let's see what kind of plan you guys want to implement. Uh, you know, no one wants to part with, you know, with your former star, but I don't know if it's a thing where you draft a young quarterback and you let Matt Ryan tutor him for a year or two. Uh, but at some point, I think you have to get a little younger at that position. Um, I think you got to get a little bit more athletic at that position as you see what the league's kind of gravitating toward, um, you know, the greatest quarterback to ever play is Tom Brady. And we're seeing, you know, obviously he's 43, but we're seeing um, when you can't move a little bit and extend the play, you know, a la Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, all of these movement type of quarterbacks. And I'm not talking about pure runners. I'm talking about, you know, dudes who can extend plays, uh, you know, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen to a certain extent. Um, that's what the league's coming to. And so, you know, I think you have to be able to, um, you know, to kind of change, change with the league, especially when you're a team, you know, that's getting up there in age, kind of like Atlanta Falcons, like the Falcons are, and you got the, you know, the cap issues that they have. So I know that's a whole lot, um, but they got a whole lot going on in that building. So it's, it's hard to just come in and say, bam, this is what I want to do. Um, because ultimately you working for the man up top, right? And so the plan has to be kind of a concerted effort by everyone you know, kind of agreeing that, all right, this is the direction we want to go. But, uh, I mean, that's, that's a hell of a, that's a hell of an op right there. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot of work to do in Atlanta. Let me, let me bring it back to the NFC East for a minute with Carson Wentz. He's one of those guys who's a movement quarterback. He, he can create to a certain extent with his Too feet. Much. And you've seen it. You've seen Good Carson Wentz. I know there was the opening game of the season. Washington uh, beat Philly, and then they wrap up the season against Philly. If you're there right now, do you put Hurts in and let him play at least a game and see what you have there? Or do you have to roll with Wentz because you know you are married to him for at least two more years because of the contract situation? 
You know, I I still believe Carson Wentz can play football. Um, his decision making of, of late has not been the best. Um, you know, it's sometimes you watch him and you kind of and I'm scratching my head like, is this the same dude? Um, but just take a step back. If we're seeing Tom Brady play this badly, um, and we felt like there was nothing anyone could do to confuse him or or or, or him to deteriorate from 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 the you know from the game plan, the way we've seen him executed for all of those years in New England, right? I mean, it was pinpoint precision, uh, precise. And then you watch him play now and Tom just seems like he comes out the huddle and just throws the shit up in the air and tells you, go get anybody can go get it. Uh, I've never got an interception from Tom Brady uh, when I played against him. And what I see now is anybody who won't want Tom's throwing him. And so if he's having that kind of trouble for Carson Wentz to have all of these things go wrong around him, to think he's not going to try to be a competitor like we know he is and like MJD MJD said he he he's doing too much sometimes when he should take the sack. He wants to try to ex- extend the play and he's he's careless with the football. Pop pops out as a fumble. Um, or, you know, instead of, you know, you're wrapped up, instead of just going down, accepting the fact that they got me, let's play for next down. You know, he he's almost knees to the ground, not seeing where he's throwing it, throwing the ball to the other side of the field, picked off. And so Carson has to play a whole lot better, but I don't think, you know, I I don't think Jalen Hurts is the answer. Um, I like Jalen Hurts. I think he has a chance to be a really good player in this league, Um, but I don't know if he's prepared either. And so to just throw him to the wolves, I think probably wouldn't be fair. Um, I know Jalen would probably disagree with me. He's probably like, dude, I'm a competitor. I've been preparing. I'm ready to go out there. And every young player wants their opportunity to go out there. But I think as a coach, as an organization, you almost got to protect Jalen Hurts because he's going to want to go out there and compete. Um, and I think he would do some things a little bit different. I think he probably running the ball a lot more. He's a more physical type of runner, um, you know, than Carson Wentz could, could even imagine to be. Uh, but I, you know, but I do think Carson gives them a better chance. When I watch Carson play, um, you know, it's, you know, I still see flashes, man. I competed against this dude on the field. I was, you know, I was joking with these guys the other day. Um, you know, like I can remember playing corner, seeing Carson Wentz out there. And I mean, he was, he was on the verge of being special. And then when I watch him, now, it's almost like, you know, what are you doing? You know, it, it, it's like he's playing a different game. Um, the game's supposed to slow down and, and it looks like it's speeding up for him. I was going to say for me, it just feels like, and you can, I mean, you just let me know if you see this. It feels like ever since they won that Super Bowl, he has that pressure of trying to get back. Like he has to win. You know how you, you know how quarterbacks like in the fourth quarter, they will you to the, to, to victory. Well, he's doing that in the first quarter. Like I don't need you to will me in the first quarter, right? I just need you to, to get, to keep this, let's just get in rhythm. He's like trying to will you in the first and second quarter. I never thought about that though. I never thought about that. The pressure of trying to, 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 because you got to remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Hell I was playing that year. That was the year. Uh, uh, that Carson was having an MVP season, right? And 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 got hurt. Hell, I read them all. You know, I, I hell, I ended up giving my Super Bowl tickets away. My cousin's a huge Philly fan. Um, and the whole time I'm like, bro, they're not gonna make it. They're not gonna make it. And they kept winning game after game. And I had promised them early in the season every year, bro. And if they make it, you got it. And I had ended up giving them to my age, and I felt so bad because that was the year they went. Uh, but you're right, man. I think it's just so much pressure um, that Carson and, 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 and it's really pressure he puts on himself, I'm sure. Um, you know, well, you know, probably the outside, the city probably puts a little pressure on him. But, 
you know, I never understood that, man, because even when you got somebody breathing down your back, if you if you fight that person off, you got to You got to know somebody else is going to be coming. All you can do is worry about yourself. Prepare as hard as you can execute the game plan or whatever your job is to the best of your ability. Um, because at the end of the day, somebody, you know, in this league, somebody's always going to be coming for you, man. There's always a, a younger, faster, too. smarter, cheaper, cheaper person. Right. Well, they got a statue of Nick Foles that he has to walk past all the time. So I bet you that's a little bit of pressure too. <laughs> statue of Nick Foles. They do. Uh, you almost sound, you're almost sounding very GM-ish. I mean, there, there, there's going to be like like five, six, seven, eight jobs open. Are we going to see D. Hall in the front office next year or what? Then I, then I will be a GM at some point. Um, I got to give shouts out to Troy Vincent and Rod Graves with the Fritz Pollard Alliance. They've been kind of taking me under their wing for the past uh, – months uh because i do as you know I, I do at some point want to want to be a gm i want to be an exec i want to be in the front office um you know i, I i've always kind of loved the building up a team part of part of football um you know being you know even when i was in the locker room i spent so much time uh in our in our scouts offices in our gm's office bruce allen's office uh you know, Doug Williams, all of these guys uh, just to kind of pick their brains to see, you know, obviously uh, every every great player wants a little bit of input on who they want around them. So I was always going in there trying to get other other great players, other pass rushes, you know, other areas of need. I felt like our our team needed and our locker room needed. Uh, and so, you know, it's something that I've, you know, something that I definitely want to do. Um, you know, when the opportunity presents itself, I, I'll take my shot. For right now, he's uh, he's working at the NFL Network and doing color analysis for the Washington football team with my friends Bram Weinstein and Julie Donaldson. D. Hall, we kept you longer than I said we would. I appreciate the time, my friend. Say hi to everybody for me. Uh, no problem, man. I could go another thirty minutes, man. I'm I'm having a blast. So <laughs> you're the man, brother. Good we'll talking to you. Back on. We'll have we, to get you back on. We'll, we'll get you back on later down the road. Yeah, let me know. Hold on. When you become that GM, the helipod with MJD got to be the first interview then. You got it. All right. See? That's all I see. Hey, there see you go. That, yeah, you got it. Locked you it got in. It. Lock, my dog. Work. There's no doubt in my mind that uh, D. Hall is going to be in the front office in the next two years. No question. I, I think he, I, you know, it's so funny. The NFL is unlike any other league. If you look at MLB, the managers, for the most part, are all ex-players. The NBA their their GMs, their head coaches are all ex-players. The NFL, for some reason, they, it's like it's forbidden to have a player be a head coach or a GM. And it's like, don't you think a guy that was in the building that's been around players that understands the game, like I could literally, I'd have this conversation every year with Tony Baselli whenever we draft a guy first round or we draft a kid and they, they'd be a lot of hype for him. I could tell the first day of OTAs if he was good or not. First day. First day. No pads? No, I can tell you right then and there if he was good or not. Just by the way he moved around. By the, the way field. he moved around, by the way he carried himself, uh, by the way he understood what we were trying to do as a, a team, you knew right away. I mean, when I came in, when I, I remember coming in the league um, and Kennedy Polo, who's the running back coach now for the Minnesota Vikings, was like, listen, they're going to judge you off the first practice. And I was like, what do you mean the first? He's like, from the first practice to your last practice, they're going to judge you. You better go out there and ball like it's a game every time. And that's what it was. And so 
if everyone has that understanding and you go out there and you're making mistakes and you're not looking good, oh, this, he ain't ready for the bright lights then. If you can't make it in OTAs, it's going to be tough. And so I, I never understood that. When all the successful ones, the Baltimore Ravens, their GM was a former player. He a ton sure. of success, right? John Lynch with the Niners. A ton of he knows talent. He understands. He's seen it. He he's played on Super Bowl teams. He knows what a DN is supposed to look like, right? He knows what a D, he knows what a D tackle is supposed to look like. He played behind Warren Sapp and Simeon Rice. He knows what a linebacker is supposed well, to look not, like. Not, Derek Brooks. Listen, Derek Brooks. Like he knows. It not all former players who have been GMs have done well. Matt Millen, former player, great player, good did point. not do well. Yeah. Martin Mayhew, good player. Not a great. But they GM. were good. They were good. He was a good GM with Detroit. He was nice in Detroit. He's actually in San Fran right now. Mar- Martin Martin May he was okay. I he guess was Matt, it was primarily Matt, I'm associating Matt, him with Matt yeah, Mel and Joe by association. But, but also, it's sometimes isn't there like a curse on the Detroit Lions too? I don't know if we're supposed to get into that right now. There's supposed to be like some curse. Well, we look me, up it later. I, let me ask you this because the Lions are one of the three head coaching vacancies that are open right now with Matt Patricia being fired. We have Atlanta, Detroit, and Houston. The Jags and the Jets are are coming. Right, yep. Then you have Denver, Chicago, and the Chargers that could all very likely open up. That's eight I'll, openings. I don't know if Denver will open up. I don't know if Denver will open up. I think Denver next year may open up, but okay. not this year. Um, the Chargers, which is crazy, they, they, they're so good, but they just don't know how to close out games. They, they had a lot of issues, and Anthony Lynn did not help himself with his poor clock management in the last. But game. I mean, there's a lot. I, I can say there's a lot of coaches throughout the league that had poor clock management last week. It must have just been that 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 week that everyone has poor clock. I don't management. know, but this was really noticeable because um, he got just hammered yeah, for it. The Chicago Bears for sure. That's coming open. Yeah, I that, think that, you're that right. has no. I mean, I think they're going to let all, everybody go in that situation. So top our, to bottom. Our friend Daniel Jeremiah tweeted this out. It was the three qualities that he wants in a head coach. And remember, obviously, as you know, but I'm just sharing with our listeners, Daniel Jeremiah, the lead uh, draft analyst for NFL Network, worked in NFL front offices Mm -hmm. uh, for 10 years and also played quarterback at uh, App State uh, in college. So he's been on he's been on every side, not on the NFL level, but he was a former college player. He says he wants a leader, excellent communicator to cast the vision, create the culture and cultivate relationships. Number two, he wants a teacher to prioritize details and development. Number three, he wants authentic, honest, reliable, dependable. So the one thing I would I would say that he didn't put in there um, that you, that should be number one is relatable. You hmm. need to be you need as a head coach you need to relate to the people that you you're you like. If I can't relate to you, how can I how can I have you know um, how can I if I don't understand where you come from, how, how can, can I we trust connect? You? How can I trust you? How can we connect? Right. That's that's one of the the in in any business. And and Dan, to be honest with you, the reason I did this podcast um, was because I relate. Like we we have a good time. Like we we're relatable. There's things even though you grew up on one side of the country, I grew up on the other, and and obviously the you know I'm pretty and you're not. Um, <laughs> it's you know we there's things that we relate to that right. makes this podcast worthwhile. The leader, uh, yeah. The for first thing with communicator is brutally honest. Be brutally honest with me. Don't be an excellent. Be honest with me as a player. Tell me what you need me to do. And if I can't do it, find someone else who can. Right. That 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 is the as honest as you can be in the NFL. If you can do that, you'll be you'll you'll survive. Why is it so hard? For some coaches to be honest, because this is interesting that you brought up honesty, because Jim Trotter had a great article. Uh, he actually linked this tweet from DJ. You should go look it up. It's on NFL.com. And he was asking players from every position group what they looked for. 
the one thing that every single player said was honesty. Yeah, because I, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what you're saying behind closed doors. There's, in this business, the NFL, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, what is it? Watch your own back or take care of yourself. Whatever the, the saying is, I forget what it was at the time. But it's like, you can tell me something like, oh man, that's a great play. I remember being in a meeting. We had these, these had these things called red dot meetings, right? Where the coach would just point at a red dot and be like, this is, we, we don't need this. We need something better, right? Um, and I remember in the meeting one time, the running back coach, I'm not going to say his name, was like, man, that was a great run, blah, 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 blah. We get in the red dot meeting and all of a sudden on that same exact play, the dot's on me and they're like, we need more than this. And I'm like, bro, like, they just told me it was a great you run. You just told me it was a good run. Like, you, <laughs> like what, what, what are you talking about? Like, what are we doing? And so now I can't trust you because now I, I know you are saying something completely different behind in those meetings with coaches and personnel people than you are in our meeting room. So when I tell you, if you tell me if it's bad, the only way I can fix something if I know it's bad. Right. Period. Can't be better like, if you don't know. I can't. I don't know. And so these coaches come in. They'll be like, and and this is because again, I've I've coached in high school and I've coached in in, in little league. I never coached in college or, or or the pros, but I know a bunch of coaches. I'm friends with a bunch of coaches. And the one thing I always tell them is, just tell the player, this is what I need you to do. If he can't do it, it's not. There's no one's fault that he can't do it. It's just God didn't give him the ability to do it the way you want it to be done. Find someone else. That's the beauty of the NFL. Right. Put him in position to be successful. If he can't run slants, don't have him run slants then. Right. Have him do something what he can do. To tailor off of that point, I just wanted to mention one of the things that I've always thought a gr- some of the better coaches do compared to the rest of them is they really will tailor their playbook or their scheme to the player's strength. You know, you, you know, a lot it's, it's, not it's enough coaches about, do it's, that. It's less in about the NFL. scheme, though. Right. So I'll give you another example. Do you, you, did you ever hear the, the article that came out about the Seattle Seahawks? when they lost that Super Bowl. Remember to, to the Patriots and Richard Sherman and all of them were so upset. Mm-hmm. You wanna know why they were upset? Because that from the, this is in the article that I read, it was on ESPN. Um, I forgot who who wrote it, but it was an awesome article. The meeting, the first meeting that they got back that for that next year, uh, Pete Carroll and Tom Cable showed a clip of all the other plays that would have won the Super Bowl, except for the last one. <laughs> See, that's not being brutally honest. With yourself. That's not being brutally honest with yourself or with the team, right? right? You could even said, I should have ran the ball in that situation, right? That's a, that's a, that's a leadership. Sure. I messed up. I should have ran the ball in that situation. Or we could have been like, why are we throwing this ball when this dude just cut? Like, like you, you call the plays out that need to be played. But if you try to protect players because some players are a little bit more sensitive than others and things like that, it becomes an issue. And then you ask why I have an issue with quarterbacks is because they're not coached the same way as players, as other players on the team. If a quarterback has a bad day, a lot, nine out of 10 times, they're not going to say he just played horrible or he played like really bad. They're going to be like, oh, it was other guys around. It was a team effort. It was a team issue. We lost as a team. No, no, bro. I, I balled out, actually. I graded out high. You feel me? I, I actually graded out at 98. So I, I know I did my job, right? Like, And so that is the problem that we have. Like, That's where leadership comes in. You have to be able to – I have to – if I'm going to get a um, – if I'm going to get a – if I'm a coach, if I'm a head coach of a team, the first – or if I'm a GM of a team, my first meeting, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to say this. And I, I practiced this because I wanted to be a GM, too, at one point because I was just like, man, it, it's, not, it's not as hard as they make it out to be. It can be. Um, but – I was going to say that my, my first talk was going to be before I introduced the head coach, if I was a GM, I was going to say, listen, my job is to get the best players here to, to execute what we're trying to do. OK, we're going to give everyone here an opportunity to go out there and play. If you're undrafted, 
if you're a first rounder, if you're a high price free agent, whatever it may be. It's my job to determine whether you can do it for us at a high level or not. If you can, awesome. I, I don't have a problem paying you. You have to be exceptional for me to pay you, though. I'm talking about I want guys defense. We're turning the ball over. We're flying around. I'm giving you expectation of what I'm looking for as a GM. Offensively, the same thing. If you can't do it, I'm going to find someone else. If you can't do it and I can't pay you, I will trade you so you can get paid. It's really that simple. It's not... It's not that hard, but I'm telling you what I'm expecting so that you know going forward. And then I expect my coach, my head coaches to do the same thing. Then I expect his assistant coaches to do the same thing in the meeting rooms. So there's a, there's a, uh, the communication is not about just communicating, like just talking to each other. It's about making sure they understand what is expected of them constantly. And then being honest with them when they don't do it and being honest with the group, because we're all adults here, right? Being honest with the group. The vision and all that football stuff, football is never going to change. It's going to be the same thing. Everybody runs the same plays. Everyone does the same thing. They just call it something different. That's whatever. Teacher, very important. There's not enough teachers in our game. I, and I truly believe that. There's not enough people. Have, if I could teach you how to play football, Dan, I wouldn't like, I think, well, let me say this. The college game has taken away the teaching because the spread offense, they don't teach anything. They just run plays. They no huddle. We're just going to run as fast as we can. We're going to make mistakes fast and we'll fail fast. Like, but that's not the NFL. That's why so many guys are struggling now. Um, but the biggest thing is honesty and 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 setting expectation. Indeed. Those are the two biggest things you can do. When it comes to the football side, teaching, yes. But you have to tell these guys what you want from them. Who who is the best coach that you had in your career? <laughs> I mean, everybody knows it. It's Eric Bieniemy, but I'm going to tell you why it was Eric Bieniemy. Uh, I was 18 years. I was 17. This is at UCLA. UCLA, my freshman year. My this is my this is story time is awesome. As a, as a Trojan it's my, fan, it's I my, hated it's this. my freshman year, right? And I go, I leave home. First of all, Eric Bieniemy, Carl Royal, come to my house. We're going to take care of your son, mom. We're going to do all this. So I, I leave. I leave early. I, was there I, a bag full of cash? No, no money over here. We were poor. Public school. No, no, no. No, yeah, we don't do that. The other school does, though. Essentially, <laughs> the USC kid, Bubar. Yeah, the other school does it. But, Public versus private. But this is the thing. I leave. I get there July 5th. All right, so I'm there July 5th. enemy gives me a playbook July 6th. He tells me he expects me to know all the formations in the playbook by July 10th. It was that Monday or something. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'm 18 years old, man. I'm in LA. No parents. I don't have my mom. I'm wild. We're out every night. My boys were all doing everything, but I don't study. So he calls us in the meeting room. He puts me and my boy on the board. There's three of us. He puts us all on the board. How old is BNME at this time? So he if had I'm, wrapped what, up his NFL career yeah, yeah, he, and just yeah, started coaching. No, nah, he, nah, he'd been coaching for like three or four years, okay. maybe a little bit longer. Um, he was at Colorado first, and then so he, he's probably he's probably pretty close to your age yeah, now. He's, he's, he, I think he's like thirty five, thirty six. Okay, right. So I get on the board. He goes draw up flank right. So I'm like, I know it's a slot. So because I try to cram study, so I'm like, all right, slot. And I mess up one thing, and then he goes, all right, uh, that's decent. Like okay, and he he goes, okay, that was good. Like all right, cool. So I'm like, whew, I got. I got that one down. <laughs> so then he goes to my other homeboy and he goes, hey man, draw up, you know, flex, whatever. Then my boy goes up and he messes up. And then my other boy goes up and then he messes up. He goes, Maurice, fix it. And I don't know what the hell I'm doing, right? So, I'm <laughs> like, so then I do something completely wrong and he mother F's us the whole time. And he sat us down and he cussed us out, right? And he was like, I didn't, I didn't ask you to 
cure the world of cancer or hunger. I didn't ask you to do it. I asked you to study these formations. There's only 20 of them. He was like, and you couldn't do that. You couldn't take one weekend off and just study these formations. He like, football doesn't mean that much to you. And he was, I mean, blatantly honest with us about it. And he was like, get out. He kicked you out of the meeting. Kicked room? us out of the kicked us out, right? So now I'm shook because I'm like, what happened? And you're just an 18-year-old yeah, kid. I'm like, I'm like, what happened? Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. That whole next two weeks, he didn't talk to us. He didn't do anything. We would work out. He would just, he wouldn't even look at us. We're all fresh. He's talking to everybody else. But he that talk showed me how important football was, right? Because if I wanted to play, I needed to know everything. I needed to know what everyone was doing. Because he made it that way. He was blatantly honest. Like, if I give you something and you can't study the the very beginning of this book, like, we didn't know where to line up in the huddle. We didn't know any of that stuff, right? So you got to remember, like, he's just coming down on us. And, I yeah, 18, I'm like, bro, this dude's an a-hole. Like, this is ridiculous, right? I Like, you don't have to talk to me like this. But he was blatantly honest. And you know what? For the rest of my career at UCLA, I broke a ton of records. I But I knew if I messed up, Guess what? I was going to get the honest truth about why I messed up. We played Washington my sophomore year. I rushed for 326 yards. And he showed all the negative plays. After a 300-yard game? Awesome. And a win. <laughs> and he was like, you should have broke the record here because of this, this, and that. But he was blatantly honest. And I knew what the expectation was. It was perfection. And so the reason people, I always go to bat for him all the time was because not only did they do that with me, Adrian Peterson had his best years when BNME was coaching him. Uh, Jamal Charles had his best years when BNME was coaching him. He's continued to have consistent play. Now, all of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes, his first year as an OC, when people didn't think BNME was calling plays, he was actually calling the plays. Mahomes throws for 50 touchdowns. The next year, he wins the Super Bowl with, with a play caller that expects perfection. And you under you know what he expects. And and as a head, as a head coach, that's what you want. If I'm a defensive guy, I want to know what, what the expectation is that I need to uphold. I need to go out there and play with every week. I don't want it to be like a roller coaster, like, oh, we won, so the expectation is not that high this week, right? If you listen to what Mike Tomlin says, what does Mike Tomlin say? He goes, we expect to play perfect. Even though we know we can't, the expectation is to play perfect, and our record uh, represents that. You and see the, what I'm saying? And the yeah. fact that they're being honest and then actually – and then dole out accountability behind it so that it makes you as the player go – I'm not just doing this for me and being selfish and whether it's me or not. I have I have 10 other guys on the field on my side, plus my coach who's putting everything he has into me doing right. right. He's setting it all up. That accountability and goes then, a long way. And then the coach is supposed to give you the tools to be better, right? So you you teach me how to run routes. You're, you're, you're the, the drills that we're doing, the film study that we're doing, the uh, all the little things, the workouts that we're doing. Everything is working towards us to be Right. So the strength coach understand there's an expectation here. Right. So he's putting you through workouts to make you help you reach that expectation. That is what it is. That's is, as simple as it can get. Now, there's different ways of doing it. There's the nice guy like Jim Caldwell, who's not going to yell at you or Tony Dungy, but he sets the expectation and either you respect it or you don't. And how they move is very similar. Or you have the guys. There's yellers. Right. There's the Bill Belichick who's going to coach you everybody hard from the quarterback down. Right. And he's going to expect. Success is that way. It's very simple. Andy Reid, he may not be the, he's not going to yell and raise his voice, but you know what the expectation is because he sets it every day and it doesn't matter win, lose or draw. And so when you talk about people of leadership and things, show me a record of you. Let me interview a guy that you might've coached or that has been in your room, not 
last year or the year before, but down the back, you know, and tell me if you were a leader, if you, if you set, if you held people accountable and you don't worry about feelings because people are going to get your feelings hurt at all, but we're adults, but like you have to go out there and hold everyone accountable, man. And if you don't do that, you, you it's not going to work. Now, this is the other part to it though, because when you get to the NFL, it's a business. It's different in college. No one's getting paid. Well, at least some of us weren't getting paid. Um, but when you get to the NFL, that's where the GM part comes in because you can't overpay someone. Because once you, in the locker room is such a, a, a unique dynamic of individuals, once someone gets paid a lot of money, they immediately become to the top of the totem pole. We all look at him like, hey, oh, they just paid such and such a bunch of money. I need to be like him. We got to make sure it's the right guy that you're paying you the money to. You have to make sure it's the right guy because if you pay the wrong guy, it'll destroy your locker room. I was a part of a locker room like that where we had two or three guys in the, lock, in the locker room that needed to get paid and they didn't pay them. Instead, they paid two other guys outside the locker room and those two guys didn't come in and perform the way they were supposed to, broke our team up. Simple. And that's why I tell people all the time, you have to make sure when you go outside of your locker room that the guy that you're paying is the right guy, that he comes in and he works hard as hell, that he comes in. I'll give you a great example. Um, the Jaguars, I wasn't there. The Jaguars paid a dude from the Dolphins. Jared, uh, he went to Penn State. He was a D-end. Jared uh, Odrick, I think. Yep. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Yeah. Uh, Jared Odrick comes in, right? They gave, they gave him a bundle. That was when he they could, were paying I didn't everybody. remember him having a big deal. You know, they paid him a lot of money. Go look it up. They paid him a boatload of money. Um, He came in and he didn't fit in that locker room. For whatever reason was, he didn't fit. And the system didn't really fit what he was going to do. So he couldn't perform. And then all of a sudden, the dudes that were supposed to get paid in that locker room were like, how are you paying this dude? Right. Right. Like he he's out here looking stank. And it wasn't his fault. It just it wasn't a good fit for him. The Jaguars cut him. He posts a video saying, thank you. He's at a beach. I'm so happy to be out. Like it just became a toxic environment. How much did they pay him? Did you see? I did. He got a guaranteed, according to our friends at SpotTrack, he got a gu- total guaranteed amount of $22.5 million guaranteed on a five-year $42.5 million deal. He got $17 million guaranteed at signing. He, uh, he, he, uh, his best season in Jacksonville was five and a half sacks. Exactly. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Played, he it played two years. It doesn't now, match. He and he didn't see all that, though, in but, Jacksonville. But because they, they cut him early. Because, yeah, they because cut him only after match. two seasons. But Correct. when it doesn't match... Your locker room splits. So you have to be careful when you pay these dudes because it's not necessarily what they did that year. It's how they work, who they are as a person. Are they going to come in? Are they going to fit what you're trying to do as a coach? Are they going to be held accountable? Are they going to hold people accountable? Right? So when I got my deal, I remember this like it was yesterday. My agent, uh, Disa Bakari, represents a lot of people as a sports entertainment group. Give him a shout. He's out of D.C., um, DC. Yeah, he's uh, right there off of U Street. And, uh, yeah, they're right in Georgetown. Of, yeah, Georgetown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Matt Questa. Yeah. Um, anyways, he, when I got paid, you know what the first thing he told me? It wasn't congratulations. None of that. He was like, the expectation has risen. Now that you've been paid X amount of dollars, which I don't, you know, I'm going to my money. Um, they don't care if they don't have anyone on the roster. You need to perform and you need to produce at a level higher than what you were doing before this. Period. This is your agent. This is my this agent telling me this before I even signed the contract. And so in my mind, I'm like, I, this ain't nothing. Like, like, all right, all good, right? 
But I didn't know that until the very end of my deal when I didn't perform well, they they let me go. They were like, look, your deal's up. We're not going to resign you. You didn't perform the way you would. But they didn't talk about how all the other things that were going on. We had three different GMs at the time, two owners, four head coaches, right? They didn't talk about none of that because none of that mattered. It was about me personally as a player performing. And so I say all that to say this. If you're going to get a head coach and a GM, it is important. It's imperative that they're honest with their players, that they're brutally honest with their players, and that they hold people, everyone accountable. You got to hold the chef accountable. If the greens, if the, the eggs aren't where you're supposed to cook them, then you got to hold them accountable. Like, that's how it has to be. Because everyone has expectations. And it's, it's funny, but it's the truth. Because if the whole building understands the expectations, guess what? Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna weed everyone out. That's a good point, no doubt. God, I mean, now you got me pumped up, dude. I'm gonna go hire a head coach right now. No, <laughs> they, they just need to. They don't need to hire these coaching search, uh, services. Just call your boy, man. I got you. I didn't see it at all. You could easily start a consulting service right now and let no, people oh, no, know exactly. Hey, listen, you no know. question. I'm, I'm working on that too. Like D Hall's working on his other stuff. I'm working on a consulting a service. Side hustle. Just, uh, just something just to you all know right. be How able can to I make get sure. Ten percent of that. We'll talk. Yeah, ten percent is too much. Yeah. <laughs> He's <laughs> not giving money away. <laughs> you ready to do some game picks? I'm because I'm doing this for free. No, you you're not. Me? No, you're not. No, I'm not. Get a lot of great gear. Hold on. I'm not. You're right. Because Dan got me. Oh, Viore. Oh. Yeah. Free yeah, plug. That. There, there it go. is. There it is. All right. Here we go, buddy. As promised, time to pick some games. We are uh, both three and two in this never-ending week 12. Uh, the Baltimore-Pittsburgh game getting ready to kick yeah. off here and shortly. About, yeah. And we both picked uh, wisely. We no both question. picked Pittsburgh. So we're tied at three and two for the week. We're tied at 43 and 28. That's a, great, that's, a, that's a great record as a head coach. I can tell you that much right now. But let me tell you this. We're not going to be tied after this week. We're not. So go ahead. All right. Saints 9-2 and two at Falcons 4-7. and seven. The Saints are 7-0 and oh, uh, without Drew Brees since last season as their starter. Let me stop that's crazy. You, but I'm going to tell you why. Because early in the year, I, I did a thing on the most talented team in the NFL. And when you look at the Saints roster from top to bottom – they are by far the most talented. By team. far, by it's not even close. I'm talking about depth. Uh, from each defense, offense, they have depth all around, and those dudes pick up their play like they did last year when Teddy Bridgewater was a the quarterback. They pick up their play and they they play lights out. Go ahead. All right, that's fair. The uh, Falcons pummeled. Mm-hmm. I mean, just crushed the Raiders, forty three to six. It's the worst loss for Las Vegas in they, more than five years. They do that though. I mean, the Raiders have Derek Carr and the Raiders have that type of game. I won't say last year they had it against the Jets, where they're heavy favorites to go in and they just get beat up. It happens. It, that, that happens on certain. Uh, all right. Every every team has a stinker. Five turnovers, four by Derek Carr. But since Dan Quinn's been fired, Raheem Morris has the Dirty Birds rolling. They're four and two. They split with the Saints last year, and they're going to do it again this year, my friend. Falcons are four and seven with a plus 14 point differential. You know what that means? Yeah. It means they're a lot better than their record. Yeah. They are going to pull off the upset. They're three point so dogs. They're going to win outright at home. So, with the, you talk, so you're telling me they're going to go down to the dome where yep. there's going to be fans in that place and they're going to win. Falcons are going to win, dude. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with that. I'm going to go with New Orleans Saints. They're, you know What I do love about the Saints and what I love about Sean Payton, um, he adapts to his players. He's not running the same offense that he was running with Drew Brees with Taysom Hill. He's not doing none of that. Well, he can't. 
but he but he doesn't. Some coaches force that to happen. He doesn't. He allow. He moves. They run the ball. He does a lot of great things. And then their defense is playing lights out right now. And that defense, you saw what they did to Matt Ryan the last time they played with Taysom Hill. Well, they had eight sacks. They got Demario after Demario Davis yeah, is just playing lights out right exactly. now. Exactly. So I'm gonna go ahead and go with the Saints on that one. Go ahead and game, game in Atlanta. By the way, game is in Atlanta. Just so you know, us, is it is it in Atlanta? Yeah, it is it's in Atlanta. Atlanta. That's even better. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm sorry. I thought. It, I'm sorry. Is it is no. even better? Than so there's a little when you have a little at sign. I'm, I wasn't at looking at that. Falcons. <laughs> I don't. I don't trust you. You should. I, I you relate should. to you, but I don't trust you. <laughs> well, clearly, I can't be your head coach then. Yeah. Okay. Lions four and seven at the Bears five and six. This is just two crappy teams. Matt Patricia obviously fired. Thank God. Um, I just can't get out of my head though that they were they were shut out by a team that started a former. I can't XFL believe you got an extra game after that. Yeah, that's crazy. I, that's what I can't believe. But that's neither here nor there. So, interim head coach Daryl Bevel says he just wants the guys to go back to having fun. That's easy to say. But let's not forget, Bevel's the same guy that's been calling plays for the team. That same yeah, the, team that the, the was team shut out that was two shut weeks out, ago. Yeah, right. Exactly. The Bears have sucked. They're averaging 19.6 points per game. Is Nick Foles they back? They lost is five it, in a row. It, we don't know for sure yet whether it's going to be Foles or Trubisky. I'll be honest with you. I've changed my mind here. I was going to pick the Lions to pull off the upset because I thought they were going to have some juice with the coaching change. I don't think there's juice in that organization right now. Um, Marcus Trufant, uh, Desmond Trufant, rather, not playing again. He's on IR. Um, he's their best DB right now. He's the most experienced DB. Uh, I just, I'm just not feeling it. I'm not really feeling I was, for the Bears. I was, I'm not gonna lie. I was actually excited when I saw the Lions highlighted. I yeah. was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get him on this one. Yeah, I changed it. I'm, I, I'm going Bears 21-17. Yeah. Well, this other thing too. When you look at them historically, they they just play better. They play well. The Bears play well against the Lions. Mitchell Trubisky has a good game. They beat the Lions with Chase Daniels at one time. Like they're just a better. They just play better. They against rallied them. from twenty three down the first game of yeah. the season. So, so with Trubisky at quarterback. Yeah. So I'm gonna go ahead and, and go with the Bears in that situation. All right. as well. I hate that we're on the same wavelength here, but you know yeah. it tends to happen. Browns eight and three at Titans eight and three. Uh, you know uh, the Browns haven't been eight and three since they returned to the league in nineteen ninety nine. Isn't that wild? So I'm I mean, gonna, I'm, 21 I'm, years. I'm going to tell you this. This is the funniest thing. Like, the way your schedule is set up, it, it it helps out a lot. Because the Browns are undefeated versus teams that have records under 500. But then yep. they're over versus teams that have records over 500. So that gives you kind of where they are right now. They're like middle of the pack. They, they're good. By the way, there's something to be said for beating teams that you're supposed to beat, right? I mean, they struggled in Jacksonville. But they beat them. They beat won them, it. But it, it was, that but happens. But it, yeah. Like you said, every team has a stinker. You have a game that you barely win that you, that you should yeah. have won by a lot. Right? Look, without, without all the talking, I love both teams, and I'm going to tell you why I love them. I love both teams because they run the ball. They run first. They do what they're supposed to do. Uh, they help their quarterback out. Now, the reason I'm going to pick the Tennessee Titans is because Derrick Henry always rushes for 1,000 yards after Thanksgiving, and this is another game where he's going to do it. Uh, as much as I love my boy Larry Obenjobi, who's a D tackle for the Cleveland Browns, is my dog. I love you, Larry. Ball out. <laughs> UNC Charlotte, I think, is yeah, where he went yeah, to school. Yeah, he is. It's yeah. my dog. But listen, um, the problem is Derrick Henry's a different beast. And where is this game? I, I didn't even. Is it at? It's uh, it it's is in at Tennessee. It's in Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, that's, I mean that's a tough travel for them. They just you go to Jacksonville, then you gotta go home, and then go back, and it's snowing all. Look, and I, as much it's like as I love plane flight, dude. As, as much as I love Nick Chubb, the way he's running, all those things, uh, I'm just gonna go with the Tennessee Titans. They just have more juice 
I think, offensively than the uh, Cleveland Browns. Yeah, and, and you know what else? They also have a massive advantage at quarterback, I feel like. No. I, I don't think oh Kevin Stefanski trusts Baker. They're still trying to Did hide him. Did you see the one where he – the guy was wide open, what he, we call in the neighborhood, butt naked, and he just overthrew him. They, instead of getting the touchdown, they had to settle for you a field goal. You know what's crazy? I still don't that really – That is bananas to me. I really don't, don't know exactly the formula for the new QBR system that ESPN uses, but he had like a top five QBR last week, and Baker was not good last nope. week. Nope. That's I keep telling people – I don't get that. Stats, numbers will lie to you. You have to watch the tape. For a long time – Blake Bortles would throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns in games. The QBR was supposed to fix that. It's supposed no. to be the new and improved passer rating, no. and it did not do that in this particular no, instance. Does, no, you have to watch tape. If you watch the tape, you'll see throws that you don't need. I keep telling people this. I don't like quarterbacks that can play really, really good and then play really, really bad. Give me the guys that are even kill. Give me the guys that are going to be consistent. Mahomes is just consistent way up here right yeah. now. Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers, they're consistent, but they're way up here. I'll take consistency at a B level. Over a guy that can give me an A sometimes and then a C or D. You don't other want that times. big roller coaster ride no. with your quarterback. Uh, I'm taking the Titans too, obviously. I think their defense is coming around. It's getting better. Uh, they haven't allowed a team to score more than 26 in their last six games. Yeah. I do worry a little bit about the loss of Jayon Brown. I you think he's a very, very underrated linebacker, uh, Long Beach Poly kid too, very I believe. Very good. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going Titans 27 21, defense getting better. They're just a better football team right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you there. Colts 7 2 at Texans. Man, they missed DeForest Buckner against the Titans last week, didn't they? I mean, Shoot. I mean, Derrick Henry just Whoa. torched him. And here's the thing: Texans don't have anything close to Derrick Henry. Um, but, you know, the Texans don't have anything. Period. But Deshaun Watson right now. Well, and how, yeah, especially with the suspensions. You know, Will Fuller, <laughs> Bradley Roby suspended because of PDs. Kenny still released. It's their best wide receiver, their top cornerback, uh, Randall Cobb on IR. So they're not throwing to anybody besides Brandon Cooks. Fantasy, Kiki, fantasy is the alert. Only other one. Kiki, fantasy Kiki. alert. Brandon Cooks. If you got him, you better play him because he's going to catch him. QT has like like nine catches this year. I know, I know. It's it's just he's the only other option there yeah. for them. You're unless, right. You're right. He, but volume. unless they use their tight ends more, unless they use Aikens and Fells. Yeah, that, they may, but it's still volume. Yeah. And then Duke Johnson out of the backfield as well. But. Um, I mean, you have it right, man. The Colts, they're going to bounce back and they'll be fine. Yeah, say that again. You have it right. The All Colts. Right, good job. Uh, I'm going there. By the way, that score, I like 30 to 21. Rams 7 and 4, Falcons 6 and 5. I'm fascinated by this game because this is a huge game for both teams. At right the now. Cardinals. At the Cardinals. The Cardinals are 1 and 3. I know where three, this one is. 1 and 3 since the bye week. And keep in mind, it would be 0 oh and 4 if that Hail Mary to beat the Bills had failed, which it probably should have. Thank God for D-Hop. Um, and Kyler has been really reluctant to run since he hurt his shoulder week 11 against uh, Seattle. And this is a terrible matchup, as you know, oh my God. against the Rams' defense. No, it's not. I mean, the Rams – so this is the thing. And we talk about matchups a lot. The Rams match up well against the Seattle Seahawks. They match up well against the Arizona Cardinals. They don't match up well against the San Francisco 49ers for some reason. This has been a matchup that McVay has been ta- been able to take advantage of all the time. Uh, every since, time, every he's time six he's and six and zero against, against them, and it's partly because they refuse to better their offensive line. Aaron Donald gets immediate pressure all the time. Now you have other guys like Leonard Floyd. You add you add Jalen Ramsey to cover D Hop. Now you're, you're you're hoping you know these other guys, Kristen Kirk and Andy Isabella, have to be able to get open. I don't I don't know how that's going to play, but what I do know is this. And I got in trouble because I was on Dan Patrick's show, or I didn't get in trouble. People were like hounding me because I said I would rather have Matt Ryan than Kyler Murray. And people were like, why are you kidding me? Are you crazy? 
Kyler Murray didn't have a rushing touchdown or a throwing touchdown against the New England Patriots. You know what they did? And Baldy, our good friend of the network, did a, a XO or a, a tape on it. They forced him to throw from the pocket. They just didn't allow him to get escape. By the way, that's easier said than done, though. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's very simple. Just rush up the field and don't let him run outside. And literally, that's what they didn't rush to sack him. They rushed to keep him in the to pocket. Contain him. Yeah, the same thing you do with Russell Wilson. Right. So now you have a, an identical a, a carbon copy of Russell Wilson down in Arizona. And the Rams have had a ton of success against Russell Wilson doing this. So I say all that saying defensively, the Rams have a great advantage there. Uh, offensively, the Rams just have to get back on track. I don't know how they do it. The The Cardinals are going to blitz a ton. They're going to send all type of pressure. Golf has struggled with pressure. So we'll see if he can answer that uh, question again. But I, I believe this. The Rams just match up well against them, no matter yeah. who the coach has been or what's going on. And I like the Rams in this one. All right, I do too. 36 to 30, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Patriots. Know, the Rams haven't given up. The Rams, I don't think the Rams have given up anything close to 30 in the last couple of weeks. How do you, where do you get 30 from? Because I think it's going to be 30. Oh my, dude. There's gonna, it's going to be a high-scoring game. I no, think Kyler Murray, run, I think no. he's going to start running again because no. he knows. And, and in order to make that offense successful, Kingsbury knows that Kyler has to run the ball. And it's easy to problem. say, hey, we're going to contain him in the pocket, right? Oh, yeah, yeah let's let this one. Not everybody does their job well, at every uh, on every play. Okay, we'll see. All right, we will. We'll write the scores down too, Bubar, because Got him. when I'm they score 30 points on the Rams. I'm saying they're not going to score 30 points. All right, that's fair. That's all, all I'm right. saying. Duly noted. Patriots, 5-6 and six at Chargers, 3-8. and eight. We talked about the poor clock management. Special teams have been bad. They've had injuries, bad luck. All of them have led to the Chargers' demise this season. Well, most of those things, not an issue with the Patriots, ever. Um, the Patriots beat the Cardinals last week with three players catching passes. And Cam Newton threw for 84 yards. And that was the Cardinals, that are, and they're a good football team. Um, I think New England's going to run the ball. Uh, they're going to put Stephon Gilmore on Keenan Allen. He's going to neutralize Ooh, Allen you watch your mouth. the same way that he neutralized you, no, D-Hop. Those are two different receivers. Oh, don't really? You, I'm gonna, uh, you're not, don't you do that. Write this down to being questioned again by the former Pro Bowler. Listen, Keenan Allen's routes, his release. Different? I, I mean, I don't know if you saw it. I actually wrote something on. Uh, we had posted it on Total it? Axe. I did. It, I said he was like Picasso, <laughs> and it was it was the way he runs routes. It's it's, it's unbelievable. Did He's you, always open. I, I wrote that. No, did you hear? So Belichick, to your point, was asked about Keenan Allen. Again, keep in mind they just played the Cardinals. He said he said Keenan Allen might be the best wide receiver that we face this year. No the question. Best. Because yeah. he, he's not fast. He's not it has nothing about speed with him, but everything he does is at the same speed. Like, so you don't know if he's running a goat, slant, right. and he gets off the you can't press him because he's nice off the line. I feel that's kind of like like Reggie Wayne was. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly what he was. Right? But I think he just had a little bit more flavor. Reggie was like Reggie. He was yeah. just gonna be, you know, he was Keenan has a little bit more basketball release to him, a little bit more. It's different, but it's it's very, very effective. I I'm gonna go ahead and pick the Chargers in this one because it's the Patriots at the Chargers. Uh, I I don't think you can win a game <laughs> throwing the ball 84 for 84 yards, and that tells me that the Patriots have an issue with their receiving core. I know they're going to try to run the ball, but Joey Bosa's back. The, the Chargers actually played pretty well against the Buffalo Bills. Um, I just think it when they're in LA, there's just too much firepower for the Chargers. They they play way better at home than they do on the road. Uh, Herbert's gonna have a big day. 
All right. Ah, so we have two different picks so far. This yeah. is the bonus game because we only got five in this past week, right? Because of the, the yeah. uh, Ravens-Steelers. Oh, yeah. I like this one. All right. Bonus game. Bills at San Francisco in Glendale. Uh, right. 49ers had to leave Santa Clara County because of new COVID restrictions that prevented them from holding games and practices. So they're in Arizona. They, they're actually leaving today. And they're going to be there for basically three weeks. Yeah. Um, and you know what? They're only one and four at home this year. So maybe that's not a huge deal. Kind of a bonding experience, but it's not your traditional bonding experience, as Kyle Shanahan said, because, hey, guys, uh, did you see what happened in Denver? We're not going to be hanging out in the meeting rooms. Like, you're going to go to your meetings, and then you're going to go to your room. It sucks, but this is a work trip. And you'll be in Scottsdale. And they'll be in Scottsdale. Well, maybe they hang up by the pool. Um, they're a scary team down the stretch of the season. The 49ers, they get, they get Sherm back. He made an immediate impact. Yep. Debo Samuel's back. He went 11 for a buck 33. He, he's probably the most important skill player on offense, not named, th- whose name doesn't rhyme with Skittle. No question. I, I think uh, Debo Samuel, it's funny, calling that game last week, it was like he's a running back that plays receiver. Yeah. Like they just get him the ball any way they can. And he just, like, he's strong, powerful, big. But the other thing is this they got, they have their backs, they're getting their backs back and they want to run the ball. And the Buffalo Bills have given up a ton of yardage on the ground. They gave up a ton of yardage to Austin Eckler uh, and this Chargers and obviously Joshua Kelly go Bruins. Um, I, 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 I'm going to go with Buffalo in this game because I just believe Buff- Stephon Diggs is a, is a monster and they're going to utilize him a little bit different. Cole Beasley's playing lights out and Josh Allen. But it wouldn't surprise me if the Niners pull this one off because their defense is playing much better. And their offense is, even with Nick Mullins, they're efficient. And that is scary. Yeah. Well, this is the reason I, I'm going to agree with you as much as I wanted to Oh, pick, you're going to take the Bills? I'll take the Niners then. I as just much go as I you. wanted to take San Francisco. Um, they've struggled a little bit with mobile quarterbacks. They've, oh, yes. They've lost to the Cardinals and the Eagles and the Seahawks, and all those guys can move. Uh, they did beat the Patriots, obviously, with They beat with the monkey breaks off the Patriots. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just there's there's been a lot going on for for the 49ers this week and they're just getting settled in. It's like they're home away from home. I'm gonna take Bills the are a good football team. Oh, you're changing it? Yeah, that's why I say. Because are I, you seriously changing? I'm gonna it? change it. The bonus on game. the fly. On the fly. I'm gonna go with the Niners. Because me, I, I think too many people are gonna take the Bills, and that's when you get in those type of games. Because it, it's funny because it's like, oh, it's just Nick Mullins. We'll get after him. Mm. He can make two or three throws a game that can keep a drive going, and that's all they need to kick a field goal, and then their defense is going to come out. You know out what Josh Allen like, can do to keep a drive going? I will Run see. over somebody. Listen, yeah. I don't, I, I'll say this, and I'm again, I grew up a Raiders fan, and all my buddies are Niners fans, so I, always, I never try to talk positive about it every time I'm on like any media thing. Um, Fred Warner is the truth. I don't see anyone running over Fred Warner. And he flies around, and they prepare, and he's been the only healthy guy – on this roster all season. So Fred Warner is a dude that I'm like, oh boy. I would say this too. Um, you know, we always talk about the the coach of the year candidates. Kyle Shanahan. They make the playoffs. His, he's done it. Yeah. You should lock it up. And if he makes the playoffs, I'm terrified because Kittle will be back and Garoppolo will be back. And that ain't that ain't nothing nice to, to yeah, run with. Shanahan it's, just said he's, he's expressing some outside optimism that they'll be back before the end of the regular season. I mean, you look at their record of five and six right now, right? And in in the NFC, 
right now they're they're the tenth seed, mm-hmm. right? But you're telling me they're not going to leapfrog Chicago and Minnesota before it's all said and done, and they would have to they would have to catch Arizona, which holds the final the final playoff spot. Right, possible. Could be possible. Very possible. Uh, good show today, my friend. Yeah, it was a great show. I love the insight into uh, what makes a great head coach, and I think that. Um, your guy be enemies, obviously going to get a job. I mean, there's there's just too uh, much. I mean, there's too. What, no, this is the thing. There's too much he's, heat he's, behind it right two now. Two years in a row, he's been. He should have had a job. And well, you now hope, I think he's going to have his. Pick. You hope he he gets the pick of the litter. Um, but then you have teams like the Jets who hire Adam Gase over him. Yeah, right. You know that, what? You that know what I would say as a friend to be enemy. Don't go to the Jets. Oh no no no! I I'm, I would listen. I I'm I, you know we've we talk weekly, um, and he's expressed some of the things his thing, and it's my job to go out and do some research for him, you know, similar how I'm doing for this podcast for free. Cause that's my guy though. <laughs> free. Um, Got some good digs cause of this. Nah, but I, uh, you know, I want to make sure that I give him the best advice that, so he can make an educated decision on where he wants to go. Right. Um, can, because, I ask, can I ask you this before we wrap it up? Would you ever go be his running backs coach somewhere? I'm, I'm too smart for that. Mm. Why would I go and do that? It's a lot of work. No, it's not a lot of work. What do you mean it's not a lot of work? It's not a lot of work. It's it's, it's like it's like Dan. Listen, I get to, I enjoy doing TV. I enjoy well, talking. You enjoy about your life every, right now. No, it's not even my life. I enjoy talking about all thirty-two teams. I enjoy that. I enjoy doing podcasts with you and doing different things. If I were to become a coach, I am singularly focused on one team a week. Right. Right. I am singularly focused on like I don't get to look at scouting all the players at the combine. I don't get to do that. I have to look at just running backs or just whatever position I'm doing, right? Or if I'm the OC, like then I have to be, you know, it just, it just, it's not what I want to do um, right now. So I've reached out to him about it. I've, I've been offered running back jobs and offensive jobs and scouting jobs, but I just, you know, it's not what I want to do. I like, I love TV. I love doing this. Plenty of time, man. You got plenty of time to do that down the road if you so desire. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'll do that. I, I told you when this is all said and done, you find me in the not south even of for France. Enemy? Not even for Eric? That's my dog. I love, I, I love EB. I love him. I love him to death. I'll be a consultant. Yeah, okay. <laughs> one, one of the two best nicknames ever given by Chris Berman, by the way. Yeah. Well, sleeping, Eric, with the, sleeping with the enemy. Sleeping with the enemy. And number right. one, number one in my heart, Ben Technicolor Dream Coats. Ben Coats. Technic- oh, that's good. That's, that's good. That's I, a good I, one. I miss the, the the olden days when those nicknames Love were those. really good. Love yeah. those. So yeah, I'll be a consultant, EB. Right. Nice. Catch me in the south of France. Let's send this to Eric right now. Oh, I'll text him. He already knows. <laughs> All right. Thanks, buddy. No problem, bro. Great you show, are. guys. Have a good week. You guys too. Enjoy it.